Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is Scabs, written by George Plank. all that skin hey john i was just going to head down to the good god what are you reading gray's anatomy oh okay why well i was feeling a little off and i thought i might be able to (laughs) self-diagnose why would you do that when i can amputate for free (laughs) as nice as the view under your chainsaw is i don't think that they would like that too much Sniggledy fig on a stick! When did you grow that? Oh, you mean the eyes and the mouths? And the mouths and the the lesions, yes. Uh, Last night, I thought it might be bed bugs, but I didn't find anything in my mattress other than the body. Oh. Well, nothing a little cortisone cream can't fix. Sit tight, I'll be right back. How topical. There you go. Just remember to let it sit for a not lengthy, but reasonable amount of time. So... What am I supposed to do until I can scrape it off? I don't know. Don't you have something to read? I guess I could read more Grey's Anatomy. Don't read that! It's not an accurate medical drama at all. Here. This came in the mail, so it has to be educational. You got me there. It had been a particularly hot summer in Gold Bend, and it was only the first week of July. On the news, meteorologists were calling it the hottest summer ever. Previously unbidden city council members were arguing against the dangers of global warming, and no one had the energy to argue. Kids played in sprinklers, and the lines for the ice cream truck would sometimes stretch around the block as people would finish their ice cream and then queue up again just for another bite of cold respite. Daniel had no trouble keeping cool. His hair whipped in the wind as his bicycle careened past people, sluggishly dragging themselves down the block. He was grateful that he lived only two miles away from his place of work, It meant that during the warmer months, he got to save on gas by pedaling his way to and fro. Occasionally, he would have to break his car out of the confines of the garage. Like, for example, if it was raining, or if he was running extremely late. But for the most part, he liked his bicycle. Today was his day off, so he was in no hurry to get anywhere in particular. He was just cycling for the fun of it. He zipped around his neighborhood, gaining more and more speed with each pump of his legs. Sweat glistened off his brow, but only for a moment before it was wicked away by the breeze that he was creating for himself. Even so, on a day like today, he was glad that he was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. He wouldn't have been able to bring himself to even look at his bicycle if jeans had entered the equation. He felt invincible. He had ridden around this area many times before. He knew each side street and avenue. He expertly maneuvered between the sidewalks and the driveways. For a moment, he let his excitement get the better of him. He lifted his hands off from the handlebars. He slowly lifted his arms above his head and spread out his fingers. He kept his center of gravity low. The wind moved through his fingers and he almost closed his eyes for a moment. Almost. In his excitement, he failed to notice the pickup truck that was backing out of its driveway. Fortunately for Daniel, the truck saw him just in time. The driver lay on the horn. The resounding honk snapped Daniel back to reality. He jammed his hands on the handlebars and just barely managed to veer out of the way of the backing truck. For a moment, it felt as if Daniel was no longer in control of the bike. 
His center of gravity had shifted, and the bike's path was wobbly as he tried to be anywhere other than where he was in that moment. Like a loosely planned Rube Goldberg machine, the front tire of Daniel's bike struck the curb at an awkward angle, and Daniel went flying over his handlebars. At some point during the descent, his self-preservation instincts must have kicked in, and he covered his head and face with his arms. Daniel's bike clattered in the road behind him, and the truck that had almost hit him a moment ago drove away silently. A small amount of pain shot through Daniel's body as he tried to stand up and take stock of his faculties. It didn't feel like anything was broken, but he couldn't be sure. His legs and arms felt warm for a bit before growing incredibly cold. He looked down to see blood running down the length of his legs and dripping from his fingers. Yikes, he thought. That doesn't look good. He walked over to his bike and righted it. He was about half a mile from his house, and he could tell from the limp that was already forming that he wouldn't be able to walk all the way home. So he did the only thing that seemed logical in that moment. He climbed on his bike and started pedaling. As he rode, he left behind little red circles on the pavement, as if implementing a new traffic ordinance that could only be seen under a blacklight. His blood had already soaked into his socks and had irreversibly changed the aesthetic of his white athletic shoes. A few neighbors waved to him as he rode by, only for their gaze to drift down and their faces contort into an image of shock and terror. All Daniel could do was purse his lips and give a half-wave back, careful to hold onto the handlebars tightly and to not fling any stray drops onto his face or clothes. The shock from his collision was beginning to wear off. The small amount of pain he felt earlier started to spread from his leg through the rest of his body. He threw his bike down at the foot of his lawn. He limped his way through the front door and down the hall to his bathroom. His blood-stained hands gripped the side of the enamel tub, leaving trails of red wherever his body made contact. He turned the chrome nozzle and held his leg underneath the stream of cold water. Bits of dirt and gravel dislodged themselves from his extremities and intermixed with the flow of pink water that swirled down his drain. It hurt. He found that he couldn't hold his arm under the water for more than a couple seconds before the pain shot through his body like a knife. Even though the initial shock had worn off, something wasn't connecting in quite the right way. Every time he felt the cold water wash its way over the tattered shreds that were once his arms and legs, he couldn't stop himself from laughing. Over the course of the next few minutes, he used an often overlooked pair of tweezers to get in and remove any stray pebbles from his limbs. The peroxide bubbled and the alcohol stung and Daniel bandaged himself up. He was lucky enough to have a few spare bandages lying around from last Halloween. He thought it was a good idea to dress up as a popular character with skin grafts, but all night people just kept asking him what happened. He popped himself down on the couch and propped his leg up on a nearby ottoman. He had lost a not insignificant amount of blood. He turned on the TV and fell asleep to the gentle sounds of late night comedy. He awoke the next morning to the sound of someone banging on his front door. He stood, forgetting for a moment the injury that he had sustained the day before, causing him to lose his footing and stumble forward as pain radiated from his shin. His arm, as if jealous over the distress his leg was now causing, started throbbing in pain as well. Though it was covered by a bandage, Tina swore that it would have been extremely warm to the touch. In between bouts of pounding, Daniel could see the face of his nosy neighbor, Bernard, peeping into a small semicircle of glass that allowed in a small amount of natural light. Daniel eventually made the trek all the way to the front door and swung it open. Apparently, he forgot to lock it the night before. Bernard stood there, a little annoyed that it had taken Daniel so long to answer the door, 
and equally surprised that he had opened the door at all. Daniel's bicycle had been propped upright with the kickstand, its once perfectly yellow frame now showing a few spots of red here and there, like an annual trip to the dentist gone horribly wrong. Well, it's about time you answered the door. Bernard decided that his tone for the day was going to be incredulous. Morning, Daniel grunted out. It seems like I'm the only one in this neighborhood that remembers that we have a homeowners association. Daniel's head hung low, but he kept his eyes locked on Bernard, as he was sure the point was coming up next. According to Public Ordinance 17B-5, stroke all lawn decorations must be approved by the board prior to their deployment on one's lawn. Decorations? That's my bike. I'm not done. 17B-10, stroke no decorations are to depict gruesome imagery or acts of violence. Tell me, Mr. Chen, what is this? My blood? Exactly. Finally, no one is to make aesthetic changes to the neighborhood appearance using any medium including, but not limited to, chalk, paint, or markers. Now, Mr. Chen, I don't think I need to tell you how seriously we take these ordinances. No, but I didn't paint anything. Oh, is that so? Bernard looked at him like a hunter looks at a rabbit bouncing towards his metal trap. Is this not your vehicle? He pointed an open hand towards the bicycle. Yeah, that's mine. And were you not active yesterday between the hours of 4 and 6 p.m.? Yes. Bernard had him now. I have eyewitness accounts from no less than three members of the community who saw you riding around while dripping blood, and I'd wager, he motioned towards Daniel's bandaged arm and leg, that we'd be able to see evidence of that right now. Would you kindly, Mr. Chen? Daniel sighed and began stripping away the layers of bandage. The more he stripped away, the more it felt like he was opening the door to a furnace. The red that came through the topmost layer of bandage were a few spots of red here and there that developed and bloomed like a rust-red flower on each subsequent layer of gauze. The final layer was mostly brown at this point, with only a small space on the back yet untouched, and still that beige off-white. Bernard's eyes grew wide with excitement. For a moment, Daniel envied Bernard for finding his true passion in life. Neighborhood bureaucracy has so few paramours. This raw, fiery passion fizzled out into disappointment as the last layer was lifted to reveal a small scab, barely the size of a raisin, bordered by an area of suspiciously pink flesh. Bernard's eyes narrowed. They darted between the patch of fresh skin on Daniel's arm, the testimonies of several concerned residents, and Daniel himself, who, unbeknownst to Bernard, was just as confused as he was. Well, none of this added up. Everyone else described the scene much more viscerally. Where was the flesh flayed beyond the point of recognition? One resident described seeing Daniel's arm as a frayed collection of pencil shavings emptied from a sharpener. If that was the case, there would be no way that it would have healed to this extent this quickly. He stared at the scab, and the scab stared back, taunting him. Bernard sucked his teeth. My mistake. I can see that some of them were spreading tall tales. Consider this a warning. And don't leave your bike out on the lawn. Uh, don't worry, it won't happen again. Yes, see to that. Bernard's stare remained fixed on the scab. He could imagine it peeling away, letting loose a torrent of blood like a crack in a dam. No, he thought, and then walked away. Daniel had plastered on a very friendly, very fake smile that he had prepared especially for times when he had to interact with Bernard. 
He gave a little wave as Bernard disappeared down the block. He dropped the facade and looked at his arm. Sure enough, where his skin had been ripped asunder, there was nothing but a single brown scab. He ran his fingers over the area of pink. He winced as if experiencing the pain of some unseen bruise. As before, his skin was warm, almost hot to the touch. He undid the bandage from his other arm and, and also the one on his leg. Sure enough, those two healed up nicely, save for hot scabs that ached and throbbed. His fingers ran over the coarse mounds of brown that were now situated on his limbs. They protruded just slightly like a blister or boil. He knew better than to pick at his scabs, of course. It was a lesson his mother had tried to instill in him at a very young age. Even so, there was something in the way this lesion bubbled to the surface that made him want to give it a squeeze or lift up the corner of the edge with his nail. No sooner had that thought entered his mind than another, more pressing thought did, too. I'm late for work. He threw on a quick, light dress shirt and a pair of khaki pants. He didn't have time to grab a piece of toast before he had to jump into his car, open the garage door, and rush to the office. He arrived ten minutes late. He gave small waves to his co-workers as he made his way to the cubicle. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Tina. Hi, Les. Hey, Daniel. I guess Tim's not the only one who forgets to come into work sometimes. <laughs> he was greeted by a disapproving look from his supervisor and a full inbox. He didn't have time to take stock of his surroundings. He needed to get to work now. He made a few calls, and the adrenaline and shame cocktail was a decent motivator up until around 11.30. He was still undeniably tired. He rubbed his eyes... Sleeping on the couch hadn't been good for his neck, and he found that he was now sore and itchy from sleeping anywhere other than his bed for the night. He lightly scratched at a few spots, stopping only when he felt a sharp pain radiating from his leg. It felt as if a part of the skin had just been torn away. Another call came in, and for a moment he forgot about the minor pain he had just experienced. After a couple more calls, he stood up and made his way to the water cooler. <sighs> Maybe a splash of cold water will do the trick. As if drawn to the slightest bit of movement, Tina peeped up from her corner cubicle, the prime spot for water cooler gossip. Hey, Daniel. Is he paralethal yet? No, not yet. Tina was always looking for someone to watch her show with her. You're gonna love it. It's got Gloria Ensign in it. You know, the actress from Prep. Tina cut herself short and stared wide-eyed at the spot that Daniel currently occupied. What? Is there something on my shirt? Daniel looked down, and as it turns out, there was. His sleeves, which started off as a robin's egg blue, were now soaked through with a deep red. So, too, was his right pant leg. Tina's eyes followed the trail of bloody spots Daniel had left behind him as he walked, all the way back to the small puddle that was underneath his work chair. Excuse me, he said, and he rushed down the hall. Tina nodded, unable to take her eyes off the bloody scene that was unfolding. Daniel rushed down the rows upon rows of cubicles. Some people looked up to see what the commotion was. Others were too glued to their monitors to even really care. Mr. Tab heard some of the commotion coming from the floor and peeked his head out of the conference room. Ah, Daniel, I'm so glad to see you. Did I catch you at a bad time? Daniel motioned to the blood silently. I see. Well, on your way back from urgent care, uh, bring some ice. We're throwing Bill a farewell party. Daniel nodded politely and then walked towards the first aid box. He had managed to once again bandage himself up and stop the flow of blood enough to drive himself to urgent care. He checked himself in and took a seat in the waiting room. He tried to distract himself by attempting the children's magazine Look and Find. 
but he kept getting pulled away by the person next to him, scanning the room and muttering to himself. He kept saying something like, You know, I don't belong. Daniel thought that maybe he belonged in a different kind of doctor's office. Daniel Chen? A woman in a pair of scrubs called out his name. He stood and joined her over at the entrance to the examination rooms. He looked back over his shoulder at the man who was muttering to himself, and for the briefest moment made eye contact. The man's breath caught in his throat, and it seemed to only make his anxiety worse. Up close, Daniel could see that the orderly scrubs had cartoon characters on them. Even with her half-moon rim glasses, there was still something a little playful in the way she carried herself. They engaged in a little light banter as she showed him to the examination room. Daniel took a seat on the examination table and waited patiently for the doctor to arrive. After about a minute of reading all the educational posters in the room, the doctor knocked on the door and showed herself in. Her name tag read, Dr. Ramirez. She listened patiently to his story about what happened, even the more far-fetched elements, before she decided to see to the area herself. Daniel undid the bandages. When they loosened, he didn't feel anything warm trickling down his arm, so that was a good sign. The founts of blood had been replaced, just as the massive lacerations had, with a single dark brown scab on each arm. They were noticeably larger this time around. This morning they had been but the size of raisins, and now they more closely resembled a prune, or a very large cockroach. The doctor took his arms and legs in her hands in turn. She didn't remark on the fact that, at least to Daniel, they felt like they were a million degrees in temperature. Well, looks like the body is doing its thing. Just be sure to keep the area clean and don't pick at it, okay? I wasn't planning on it. Why do you think it healed as fast as it did? It probably wasn't too bad, she replied, already sanitizing her hands for her next patient. Sometimes in the moment, things can seem a lot worse than they actually are, especially when you add blood into the mix. Daniel recalled picking gravel out of his leg and seeing it after it was rinsed out. Bits of skin were coiled up, and it was so porous in places that it looked like a pink field of coral. Instead of saying any of that, he just nodded and said, That makes sense. He slipped the bandages into his pocket, just in case, and stopped off at the convenience store nearest the office for his bag of ice. The day carried on without much incident. The office was celebrating Bill's retirement and congratulated his replacement. Every time someone brushed past his arm or his leg would brush past a chair or table, his heart would skip a beat. He excused himself to go to the bathroom several times over the course of the day. By the sixth visit, he decided to just wear the bandages for the duration of his time. Though it never showed on his pants or work shirt again, occasionally it felt as if his arms and leg were becoming heavier. When he finally arrived at home, he had a chance to take the bandages off. They were soaked through with new splotches of blood. The scab was roughly the size and shape of a hot dog bun, taking up the better parts of his shin and forearms. He put on a loose-fitting t-shirt and a pair of shorts before laying down in bed and closing his eyes. He silently willed the world away as he drifted off to sleep. It came to him easy enough, but as the night went on, he found that the pain in his limbs made it difficult to get comfortable. He turned over on his left side so that his leg wouldn't be contacting the bed, but now he was putting direct pressure on his arm. Same thing happened when he rolled over to the other side. Even on his back, he felt lopsided, so he continued to toss and turn for hours. Each time, he felt a twinge of pain, like hooks pulling at the edge of the scabs. He sat on the edge of the bed. The pain had been too much, and he had to address it. 
He looked down to see the scab, which looked more like a shin guard than anything else. A little bit of pink peeked its way out from beneath the brown, and it looked like a small flap of the scab had already been pulled down by his nightly rotation. Carefully, he gripped the edges of the scab and pulled it. The skin separated, and the scab lifted away like a napkin covering a dinner dish. A mass of pink and yellow flesh undulated beneath. It rolled and bubbled like there was something within. Suddenly, two sets of eyelids popped open from within the subcutaneous layer. They stared up at him and blinked, moistening themselves in the light of his bedroom. Daniel sat up, his breathing heavy and ragged. It was just a dream, he thought. Just to be sure, he threw back his blanket. Sure enough, there were no eyes looking up at him. But there was a fresh amount of blood intermixed with the cotton of his sheets. The days passed in a similar nature after that. No matter what he tried, he could not keep the scabs from coming off, undoing the entire healing process. Once, he had tried to go for a bike ride to clear his mind. All was going well until his leg accidentally brushed up against the gear cassette. The scab came off in a single plate and was shredded within the gears. Fortunately, he hadn't been going too fast, otherwise he might have gone over his handlebars again. He tried to stay at home, but nothing short of wearing a full suit of armor would suffice. The sleeves of his shirt and the legs of his pants irritated the scabs. Bernard pounded on the door of Daniel's house. Don't keep me waiting, Mr. Chen. There have been far too many complaints, and we need to have a discussion about our next steps. I can see you sitting on the couch. Daniel didn't answer. He couldn't. If you don't open the door, I will be forced to take matters into my own hands. One. Two. Bernard turned the doorknob and pushed the door open. He saw Daniel sitting on the couch. His posture was slumped forward with his hands between his knees and his head hung low. Only a faint amount of natural light came through the glass portion of the door. Daniel? Bernard flipped the light switch. On the couch, in the exact shape and countenance of Daniel, was a hardened brown carapace. Bits of clothing poked out here and there, but it looked as if they too had been taken in by the scab's growth at one point or another. Daniel? Bernard tried to tap on his shoulder to get his attention. As he did so, the shoulder disappeared within the shell, as did the entire upper half. The clotted blood crumbled and disintegrated, polluting the air with a fine brown mist. And Daniel was no more. Bernard backed out of the living room slowly and closed the door behind him. That was informative. Unfortunately, you're chartreuse now. Oh, good. Now I can skip my trip to the tanning salon. How's our friend doing? Oh. So, am I cured? Almost. We need to make one quick stop. Remember the room that I wanted to show you earlier? What room is that? They just added it. It's the peeling room. Come on. Aw, I don't even like potatoes. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It was written by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Our logo was designed by Sam Vitale, and our theme song was written by Charles Adam Robinson. Special thanks to our patrons, including Noel Sun and our own Rebecca Tewksbury, who contributed at the $5 level. For $1 a month, get access to all our bonus content, including the common area and our ongoing actual play miniseries, Need to Escape, 
For more information, check the links on the description below. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, stay and remember, nothing is real. <laughs>